You're listening to the Irish Times. It is the last added time of the year, Pat. It is, yeah. Uh, you sound surprised. I'm not. <laughs> that was delight that you heard. <laughs> uh, and for our final show of the year, we were going to we we're going to take a hiatus, a, a, a tactical retreat, for a certain amount of weeks. We'll be back in early to mid-January. Uh, and for our last show of the year, we are ahead of the Irish Times Sportswoman of the Year Awards on Friday, going to review the year in women's sport, which is terribly sexist of us. You know, it's an awful, uh, you know, when, when you make a niche out of something, it's probably not the best way to celebrate it. It would also be sexist if we didn't do it. So we're, we're in trouble either yeah. way. Okay. It's a no win, really. So. <laughs> uh, in order uh, to use as a human shield against uh, accusations <laughs> of sexism, we have two token women in the studio. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, no, we have the great Mary Hannigan and the great Emma Duffy from The 42. Thank you very much, both of you, for coming in and helping us out with this. Hi, Maliki. Hi, Mal. How are you? I'm good, Emma. How are you? Not a bother. Not a bother. Thank you so much for this. So the way we were going to do this, uh, we uh, did this for our books podcast a few weeks ago and have basically ripped it off from other podcasts. So we're just going to do it that way. Uh, we got, the three of us uh, ha- have picked a sort of a top five women's sports moments of the year. Uh, and we'll go through them from five to one and we will talk about them as they arise. Uh, and I'm going to let Pat take it from here. We're going to start with Mary then. We're going to start at Mary's number five. Um, for a particular reason, uh, the reason it makes sense is that your top five is partly the Jump Girls documentary made actually by friend of the podcast, Luke McManus. Right. Mm. And, and But in general, you wanted to talk about mm. Irish reporting on women's sport. Yeah. I, I just think it's been a good year and not that I'm, I'll embarrass Emma now, but I mean, Emma and this new broom, new sweep of um, terrific reporters, I think, have done some great journalism on women's sport in, in, in the last year. And and uh, kind of fair, allied... Mary, Mary, you put this on your list before you knew Emma was coming in. Oh, that's, uh, absolutely. Uh, that is, that is very true. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I did. But, um, but that kind of allied to a lot of really good documentaries, I think, the last couple of years, like the one in Cora, Ross Whitaker's um, thing on Katie, mm. I, I thought was brilliant. There's still, it's still going gangbusters on, on, yeah. on uh, Netflix. Netflix, yeah. that's right. It was great to see it on that. Like, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, and like watching that, like, kind of made me look at Katie's year, like, mm-hmm. in a different way, mm-hmm. like, just you know, because you just got a, such an insight in, into her life and like, on a dedication, almost the loneliness, like, of it too. But the Jump Girls thing I loved that was on, I think, TG Carr had that yeah. earlier in the year, it was a two parter. And um, yeah, at the end of that, I had a whole new appreciation of like the mm. grueling life of of a jockey, um, but just the characters in it. They're just I loved it, really loved it, and the numbers. It's so many of mm. like kind of from Jessica Harrington, the training world, Rachel Blackmore, and, and so on. But I've just really enjoyed like a lot of the coverage this year. I think it's uh, it's been great. And I mean, Emma's done some really in-depth kind of interviews with people, the one with Leanne Kiernan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just the kind of insight into like Leanne would have lost a brother, I, I think. And like yeah. that's such a big part of her life still. Like so much of what she does is kind of almost like Absolutely. dedicated to him. And, like, and it was before the FA Cup final. And, right. you know, I knew I wasn't really going to get to speak to her because I know Leanne. I played football with Leanne from when we were God knows what age. She schooled me like. But, um, <laughs> and I knew her family and knew her backstory. And right. I thought a nice way of kind of you know, just reflecting on everything was to speak to her parents. Um, but I didn't want to put them in the position to kind of bring the, the brother's death up. Yeah. But they did willingly and I think it made for quite a really yeah, nice piece. Really How do. are you finding, in general, reporting on, on the whole area? Like, I know, like, you know, I dip in and out of, of women's sport. We just have so, so much to do and I, probably, I definitely should do more. Um, how do you find... Teams are, are. Do you find teams and athletes and all that are getting more savvy? Are they getting better at at making life easier? Not that you know we sh- life shouldn't be made easier for us, but you know there has to be. There does need to be an element of, I don't know, spoon feeding or an element of of you know highlighting these stories. Yeah, absolutely. I think because it's probably this is my third year working in the industry and even the change from back in 2016 to now has been colossal like but i think the one thing about female athletes and and women's teams is they're very open and they'll do kind of anything to promote their mm. sport and to promote their story um, I suppose even the prime example is look at the GA and you can't get access to a player mm. for two weeks before a big match. A ladies football match, you could ring them on the Friday evening and they have a match on the on yeah. the Saturday or the yeah. Sunday and they'll happily talk away. Mm. Um, but obviously there is an element kind of creeping in in different setups. So I think Dublin might be going a bit more lockdown. <laughs> um, um, with wonder Mick where at they the learned helm. that from. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where that's coming from. But you have to also, you know, harping back to the documentary, look at Blue Sisters yeah. and, and what true. that's done for ladies football. Mm. It's true. I think one of my favourite moments this year was, like I would have had a number for a member of the Irish soccer team, like for years, and you know, would have phoned this player, you know, the odd time, like it was a big match coming up. And, um, and then... So I don't want to identify her, but um, she had a big or match him. coming up. Or him. <laughs> <laughs> or him. And uh, kind of texted, oh, could I ring you like sometime today? Just a quick word. And like the message came back, contact my agent oh, with, no. with the phone number. But I was like, way to go. Good on you. And, uh, this, this is progress. You know, No more of this ringing me, you know, mm-hmm. on the, the evening before a cup final or something. God, Talk to my more agent. more generous spirit than me, Mary. Emma, we'll move, we'll move on in the list. Uh, we'll start. We'll go to your number five, which is Kira McGeehan. And you've enjoyed her not just for what she did on the track or indeed in fields, but also off the track as well. Absolutely. Um, I think you put it brilliantly there <laughs> on the track and in fields, because I suppose we kind of nearly forget that Team Silver and um, European cross country medal she just won and, and the 20th place finish. But then obviously we had... Um, brilliant exploits in Glasgow for the European indoors she won bronze and then in Doha at the World Championships but I think she really kind of catapulted herself onto like international prominence nearly this year mm. um, we know she's been knocking around and doing brilliant stuff for the past few years but I think Kira really kind of announced herself as a very much liked athlete this year nearly just her 
post-race interviews have been amazing. Um, I think she really captured the hearts of the nation through them. And she just comes across as such a, a likeable person mm. um, and a really interesting character. Um, so I do think it's been a super year for Kira McGean. Definitely. So honest. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's what's, you know, like if she's if she's unhappy with herself or a performance, you know, she's just, she just comes out with it and she's just really engaging. Like, and Absolutely. Really warm and she's a gas woman. She is. <laughs> yeah. Great sense of humor. She's so, and she comes across, like anytime I've uh, had occasion to talk to her, I rang her a few years ago for, for a piece about uh, the mental side of recovering from injury. And I was ringing around like different people from different sports and like, uh, you know, I learned so much from her. Now, she's probably very intelligent. She, um, isn't she, she medical or physio, yeah, physio in think. UCD? Um, but like her insight was, I mean, I think I was talking to her for about 15 minutes and I asked about two questions. Like, mm-hmm. you know, her insight was just completely spot on. So she, she is this totally engaging character, but it is, as you say, you know, her sort of snatched two and a half minutes with David Gillick. Yeah. As she's panting and sweating and boking uh, and boking uh, <laughs> into a little bin beside him, uh, that you know you become a sort of the the you know the housewife's favourite doing that kind of stuff. You know mm. you're you know you don't need to know the the ins and outs of you know the tactical nuances of yeah. middle distance running to to watch her and go God, you know punch the air when she does well yeah, exactly. and like as you say she just came within a hair's breadth of breaking the 4 minute mm. mile in doha you know and she's just mm. she's she is a fantastic personality mm. uh, on top of and this is the year you know that that the Achievements, the actual the the medals started to really flow for her. Absolutely, she's had a tough time with injury, mm. and we kind of we would all know her backstory and the changing in coaches and things like that. But this year, she's just I don't know. She's ran with kind of a freedom or something. Mm. She just she just seems to be nearly a different athlete this year. Because what people like I don't know if people she the injuries kind of took her away for so long people kind of forget like when she was sort of 17, 16, you know, she was one of these people that was mentioned as the next Sonia, mm. you know, and there's been so many next Sonias yeah. and, they, you know, who were all retired from athletics by the time they were 23, 24. Mm. And she had every reason and, and excuse to, to fall into that as, exactly. as well. But to come back and do this now and now next year she goes to Tokyo and, um, you know, a medal is probably beyond her, but it'll be... She'll be. She will be somebody that that people will be kind of going. Okay, what what's your one McGee doing now? Exactly. Mm. One, one thing we liked about Amiri too was that we her interviews looked like they needed to come with little footnotes sometimes. <laughs> Mal- Malachi mentioned that they're boke. Uh, I remember that he she didn't used the word. Blink. What what was boke? It's puke. Puke. Yeah. Puke. yeah. Puke. Okay. It's a northern word for boke. Or for puke. <laughs> <laughs> puke. Puke is a southern word for bulk. <laughs> so Malky didn't blink for the rest. Yeah. Of it. It was like, what? Yeah. Rewind. I had a wee bulk. Yeah. <laughs> I've been party to many wee bulks at 3am. <laughs> I was like northern nightclubs in my youth. That's more of an insight, I think. Than, I know, uh, yeah. And, yes, and yes, moving not along swiftly. Malachi, we're going to go on to your list. Uh, we're going to skip uh, your number five okay. because it's coming up uh, later on. Later on. So we're, we'll jump four, to your so. number four, which uh, is Denise ah. O'Sullivan. Mm. Yes. Um, who, as you said, actually, in Saturday's paper, Denise O'Sullivan sort of entered people's spheres mm. uh, 
a lot this year really I, explain why I do you know it is a little bit of the of the can't see can't be mm. like Denise O'Sullivan has been playing she's what is she 27 now she's mid to late 20s and has been a professional footballer for six, seven years, you know, she played in Scotland uh, and won a load of, load of the yeah, Glasgow, Glasgow City. City, yeah, and she she won two or three titles there. Then moved to America. Her first club didn't work out, but her, with her second club now, her second club, uh, North Carolina Courage, have just won the the league in America for the second year in a row. And this is, you know, this is the league that all the American World Cup team playing like Carly Lloyd and Megan Rapino and all these kind of world famous players. This is their league. And uh, Denise O'Sullivan has been ever present on the champions for the last two years and voted MVP by her teammates for the last two years. So she is like the the beating heart of that team. and even at that, you know, they, this can happen at times, you know, that, that when when an Irish person is doing well in a kind of a far off climb, like like if you think Zach Tui, uh, in playing Aussie, he's been playing an Aussie rules career for the last 12 years. Uh, and I'd say most Irish people couldn't pick him out of a lineup. You know, they, they're just doing their thing in a, in, mm-hmm. a, in a far off land. And, you know, it's not really on telly. Two is it two or three of the Irish women's team's games were on on mm. RTE this year. Uh, and maybe the first one was the Ukraine game out in, in Tala. It was either the first or the second one. It was the second. It was the Montenegro second one. Was oh, yeah, first, exactly. Yeah. And I remember watching them and even just being on Twitter or even just being around, people were going, oh, my God, who is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she just ran this game. Yeah. Definitely the Ukraine game. She just... Absolutely right. And like she was great. Katie McCabe was great that night and they won 3-2. But she was just this lovely little nuts and bolts Mm. midfielder. She's, you know, breaks up attacks, gets things Mm. moving, always does the right thing. Maybe nothing spectacular, but just keeps doing the right thing all along, all along, all along. And you're right, Pat. I I put in the paper the other day that this was the year that the penny kind of dropped that we oh my God, we have this fantastic, really outstanding footballer. And like, what, three weeks ago, the Guardian do their list of the 100 best female footballers every year. And she's on it. She's number 65. Like, And Vera Pau, the the new Irish coach, was was basically saying in more or less her first press conference, like, almost like, you people don't really know this. But you do, you have a world-class footballer here. She's incredible. Like her just, she's a workhorse. Mm. And to look at her, she's so small and so slight. But she is one of the most physical players yeah. that you come across. Like, yeah. it, she's incredible. And I suppose, you know, you kind of touched on her journey there. Mm. Um, she comes from Knocknaheeny in Cork. Yeah. And we've heard a lot about that this year because of Amy O'Connor, of Cork course, Ulster. Yeah. She's yeah. kind of spoken a lot about the area. And to see Denise O'Sullivan absolutely tearing it up mm. on the other side of the world, like, mm. it's unbelievable. And, like, the thing is, though, she started out in the Women's National League there are these class players that can progress into into the Denise Sullivan's of this world in the league mm. but we're not seeing them no well because it's such a gamble to take with your life isn't it mm-hmm. you it's know a- like whatever about if you're a 16 year old boy and you think that you're you're good and you have clubs calling you and all this sort of stuff that's a big gamble to take with your life but imagine you're a 16 year old girl yeah like it's a di- it's of a different magnitude mm-hmm. like Denise Sullivan played away for and I saw she signed a new contract there yeah. last week with, with Curry. She's going to Australia as and well. And she, 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 no, she plays in Australia <laughs> in the off-season. But in order even just to make a proper living, mm. I'd say it took her a long yeah. time now 
big like, time. I'd say this contract that she just signed now is the first time that she's signed one of any real substance. Definitely. You know, and so she's been knocking around. So it's not a glamorous life. It's not yeah. a, it's it's surely, surely not a, a, a wealthy life. Definitely not. And like what happened to her at Houston mm. Dash and... I think it was she got a call from Paul Riley um, at North Carolina Courage, and and three days later she was on a on a plane up. Yeah, because with Houston Dash easily... it just didn't work out. Yeah, like no, she was, and, and then she was getting why. she was getting moved on. It was just and it could yeah. it could very easily have been over then. But she yeah, Denise O'Sullivan. I'm just yeah. delighted that that you know that 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 she is a thing now that that people see and like that can that can keep moving on. And as you say, you know, power of television, you yeah. know, like Big time. It just. Yeah. There's so so many like I think you know we're gonna talk later with the, the hockey as yeah. well like you know so many of of these people we just wouldn't know if they'd be names we'd read they did something great like but we'd know no more than that mm-hmm. so just the importance of getting this stuff on telly yeah. is is huge. Yeah. All right, back to the numbers. We're gonna we're gonna skip Mary's number four because it appears further down. We're gonna go to Emma's number four, which the Camogie final this year. Um, Galway got across the line basically inspired against Kilkenny by their own Kilkenny Absolutely it was a very strange kind of piece to write because you're like Kilkenny beats Kilkenny <laughs> It was a pain yeah. it, it, it was I was, <laughs> it was nearly, nearly going to write her out of the history yeah. it, it, you know she didn't do that much. Oh, actually, she did. She did. She, she, was she, did. she did more than the other Kilkenny actually <laughs> Like to be fair she was absolutely incredible mm. everything went through her mm. and I think Malachi I think it was yourself that tweeted it maybe the other day that it was one of the all time great it was it was one of the good like, performances yeah because it's one of the things that, that you get you you, we, you go to so many matches and you watch so many different sports and it's it's really rare actually that you watch a team sport where you see one person take over the game and you just go. Have we said Neve, Neve's name here? By the way, her name Neve is Neve Kilkenny. Kilkenny. Yes, <laughs> she uh, has a first name. And yes, confusingly, she was playing against Kilkenny. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, it's it, it is a real treat in sport to see this. Whether it's it's a soccer match and you see like a you know a Zidane or something like that, and everything goes through them. This was just so. From the first minute, she took over the game. She set up. She after ninety seconds, she set up the first Galway goal. By the end, uh, just short of half time, she set up the second Galway goal, and they were both exactly near enough the mm-hmm. same. Just Kyle picking up scraps, this. banging through the middle, setting up Elish O'Reilly, who ends the day with two one, but yeah. like isn't isn't the player of the match? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah when you put it that way, it is quite and, outrageous. Uh, <laughs> and then when the game starts to list later on, because Kilkenny the team came back into it <laughs> as the second half went on and took a six-point game down to a two-point game and Galway have lost finals. Mm-hmm. My God, like mm-hmm. Neve Kikani, this was her fifth final she and she'd write lost... write a book on them as she said lost, after yeah. herself. She'd lost three of, of the previous four, you know, and it was starting to wobble and she just took over the last five minutes as well mm-hmm. and she scored two points in the end game. She ended the day with four from play and set up another two, two, two or something like yeah. that. It was just, she was just one of those days when somebody is kind of touched by gold. Absolutely. And they take it, take the thing over. There was a spell in that it. game, I thought there were about five of her on yeah. the pitch. Yeah. She, she just literally seemed yeah. to be everywhere. And um, it was an awesome, awesome performance. I thought it was a really good game as well. That was the and thing, I think yeah. Camogie desperately needed oh, that. It had been so bad, the finals. I, like, and that's the one game of the year. I know obviously RT carried the semis and the quarters mm. now too. But 
realistically that's the one game of the year yeah. everyone tunes into and you think of the 2018 final the 2017 final but then this year it just it was such like such a much more open mm. game I think um, I think I had in the report Galway had Galway scored 3-7 by half time which would have won the last two finals yeah right. absolutely you know. and then obviously the record attendance I think yeah. it was 24-7-30 um, the intermediate match was incredible Westmead right, came Westmead from it, absolutely yeah. nothing <laughs> That's right, to yeah. winning it and I think what was it Galway were 7 or 8 points up Something possibly at like half time yeah. um, Westmead looked dead and buried mm. and they came out and Galway only scored 1 point in the second mm. half and Westmead were incredible and then Kerry obviously the junior the brilliant story mm. with uh, with Clonmartis isn't at the club there um, it was a brilliant you day you know better than me now oh, I'm, I think I'm, it's I'm, I'm hanging in there with your intermediate basically every player on the county team is from the one club bar one wow which is incredible yeah. and they they won or yeah they're competing really well at club level obviously okay. too but yeah amazing <laughs> well in a, in a fine year for GA Mary your number three is uh, the dubs yeah. uh, producing the three in a row um, yeah they might well go on to emulate the men, who knows, but what what about the women this year stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, a bizarre final, like oh, really. Jesus, um, hard work. I was just <laughs> wacky. You thought it was going to finish nil-nil. Like it, it was nil-nil up until was, the what, 21st minute yeah, or something like that. I thought yeah. we were going to get a scoreless first half. Yeah. Yeah, it was just you were kind of wishing for it, but yeah, it did get to a certain mm. point where you were going, I actually want this to be scoreless yeah. at half time now. <laughs> just for the novelty of it. So it was, like, it, it was bizarre that way because, you know, Dublin were piling up the goals all year mm. and the points and Galway, like, such mm. a good young attack, loads of scores in them too. So this was kind of not what we, certainly not what I expected anyway. No. But it kind of became intriguing then because of that, because scores were so hard to come by. Mm. and Absolutely. so. Each of them just proved so critical in the end, but um, <laughs> but I I just have endless admiration for this Dublin mm. team because of as we've talked so often before about like what they went through for so long, and I just think the fact that they kept at it, you know, lost three finals in a row to Cork, which Damn. must have been soul destroying, and now here they are, like they're, I mean, I are, I don't, I wouldn't say unbeatable. There there are plenty of counties out there. Who, and, and this is a young Galway side generally, like mm-hmm. so they they'll come again. But um, but yeah, they're a fantastic team, and also and Emma would know best. Great bunch to deal with too, mm. like really interesting characters, all of them, and like a joy to speak with too. Definitely. Like, oh, I think they've so, just really raised the bar for ladies football. Yeah. Like, and it was pretty high. Yeah, it was. Like that it court was. Team oh Jesus Christ, that court changed team. the sport. <laughs> yeah, they really did change the sport. But they brought it on another yeah. level again, Dublin, mm. which is exactly mm. what we want. Um, but yeah, the bizarreness of that final, and like I've spoken to a lot of people since it, and you know, you have people, players have said they're unhappy with the the spectacle because mm. it's their big day of the year mm. to to show it to to the country, um, and then others have said, yeah, but like, look. A win is a win. You'll do it whatever way you can. And I think it was nearly intriguing to watch. And I don't know if I appreciated it fully at the time, but looking back on clips and watching it back, it was nearly like a game of chess. Like it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, you can only live with so many games of chess now. Fair. But the monsoon (laughs) weather really added to it. (laughs) Some of the players actually 
said that they were bothered yes. that it wasn't a good spectacle absolutely did they? yeah a lot of players have said it since I think Neve Collins was speaking on Ortiz the W podcast recently about it and, and Mick Bohan said it when he was doing the 20 by 20 gig recently um, I spoke to Noelle Healy about it last week and she was kind of a bit more the opinion that well like Owen's a win gotta and, get across you know there were some flashes of brilliance Um they were happy they were going to win whatever way they could. Isn't that though a bizarre extra pressure to yeah. put on women's sport yeah. to say like you have to do it to a super high standard oh and it needs to be entertaining. Nobody's ever looking Absolutely. at some of the horrible football mm. matches that we saw this year yeah. in the men's championship mm. and saying oh it's it's on ye to be more entertaining. Mm-hmm. I so, remember Fiona Coughlin the Grand Slam winning captain kind of saying that a bit too the day Ireland won the Grand Slam they beat Italy yes. it was a terrible day like really awful weather and she was like she felt that pressure like mm. because this was the biggest audience like women's rugby Irish women's rugby had ever had like because people were tuning in could they win the Grand Slam and she kind of even though obviously elated they mm. did it but it was a bit like oh god this was our big moment and mm-hmm. it was a terrible game mm. and you, you kind of you feel for them that they do actually now I'm sure when no, they're out we, there in yeah. the middle of battle they're not thinking about that but like that they reflect on it in that way is tough you know Dory we'll, we, we'll get on to uh, the quality of the uh, hockey playoff in a while <laughs> oh wow <laughs> we'll, uh, speak, speaking we'll, of the devil we'll explore that issue in, in some depth <laughs> <laughs> great <laughs> Um, Malachi we'll go to your number three uh, then Um, I was actually surprised at this one that you were the only one to put Sunita Puspor in your top five because she had an incredible year she had yeah and pardon me uh, and another incredible year Um, yeah you know she's a back to act world champion Champion, now Uh, she also won a European championship this year Um, you know it's partly to do with rowing being a niche sport Um, like I read a a really good book this year about um, uh, the the Skibbereen Rowing Club and the O'Donovan Brothers Something in the Water uh, Dominic Casey and, and the O'Donovan brothers and all that sort of stuff and it is it is a, a sad enough fact of life that this sport which is you know if you ever talk to the people involved in it if you ever watch it to any level like these people put almost more of themselves into this this mad uh, draining sport than, than most sports people and they're they're totally underappreciated um and for some reason, Sunita's story hasn't really kind of broken through at the at the same level as uh, as some others. But you know, she um, is in Ireland. How long now? You know, it's nearly twenty years, I think. Mm. Um, and uh, she has a, uh, a couple of kids as well. You know, she's a mother, and this late in her career, she has just gone to another level with. Um, on the world stage and she's a double world champion now and you know we'll be going to to Tokyo next year with a you know a huge I chance hope so. and yeah. it's um yeah it's a, it, it is a, a kind of amazing story Mary she also though you, you had an alarming quote from her in the paper that I hadn't actually read you had it at the weekend about how after she won the gold medal, she basically said, and now I'm going to go away and grieve for my right. sister. Mm. Yeah. Explain what happened there. She like she's had an extraordinary year in that sense that like it was almost like sport was a, a bit of a release for her from this very sad personal story. Her sister 
Uh, I had a long battle with, with cancer. So um, I remember this time last year, actually, mm. Sunita going back to Latvia to, to be with the, her, her sister. And so all of this was going on and kind of the last thing really Sunita was thinking about it was, was the rowing because they were going through all of this. So... But she used the rowing, like she talked about that herself, like just as a release and just to take her mind away from this for spells, like, and had extraordinary success mm. in considering, like, mm. she had missed so much training and, and everything, like, because of this. But yeah, that was kind of her reaction when she won the gold again, was like, okay, now now I can grieve because she was kind of in the zone almost, like because she, as a, an elite sportswoman she is anyway, but it, she was almost trying to get this out of her head because it was just devastating for her. But um, so, yeah, and, I, and she's somebody too who, like, we have so many stories like that. She would so, so many near misses through the years, yeah. like mm. so many fourths, fifths, like just it looked like it was never going to be. So she made that breakthrough last year. And I think her husband said she was like a fine wine. or you know, yeah. she was kind of, <laughs> yeah. And and then to go and do it again in light of everything that she had kind of endured on a, on a personal front this year was amazing. Yeah. It's incredible mental strength, Emma, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think I met her for the first time this year um, at a Rowing Ireland event. And I thought she was just a fascinating person to listen to speak. Um, and like just even to listen to her day to day life and her training mm. schedule and and motherhood and mm. just a bit of personal time as well. Like, you know, just and as Maliki said, kind of a minority sport goes under the radar a little bit. People don't realise what's involved mm. and it's so individual as well. Yeah. Um, but even and, and that's not just with her. Like the you know the like Paul O'Donovan is still <clears throat> like he, he's he's regarded. I think he was there's there's one of the Rowan magazines do their their end of year rankings every year and like he's he's constantly in the top five rowers in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know people just think he's the steak and spuds lad. Yeah. You know they, you know yeah. they're, they're like the it's yeah. just it that is the the sort of the curse of the uh, of that sport. They do like. Uh, of of all the sort of niche sports, they really sort of do it. They do it literally in darkness, almost. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> and it's um, it's not. Uh, it's it's kind of sad for them. Mm. Well, they're getting. They get some days in the sun now. In fairness, <laughs> they do that. Yeah, uh, Emma, we're going to skip your number three because it's coming up later. But your number two is uh, the Women's World Cup and. Well, the Women's World Cup as a whole, I think, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think Mary picked one match in particular yeah. so we'll, we'll delve deeper into that but I think yeah the Women's World Cup this summer it was a tournament that kind of really put women's football on the map and like really people who hadn't kind of been so aware of it became aware of it mm. I suppose the fact that every game was broadcast live on TV here with Ireland not there was mm -hmm. absolutely massive mm. Um, and just you have the US team and I suppose obviously Megan Rapino and how she's a household name now mm. purely off the back of it all. I think actually the Rapino thing is really interesting because I've seen so many arguments over the past few weeks that, you know, she's not an unbelievable footballer, yeah. like yeah. she scored penalties or whatever. Yeah. But love or loathe her, what she's done for the sport alone mm. 
is fascinating and it I suppose is. that iconic stance but you're, totally, you know? but you're totally right like it, it, it and it is a, um, it is that sort of interesting conversation that always happens around a kind of a breakout female mm-hmm. sports story uh, that you know you get, you get you get the sort of the uh, the women's sports hipsters going no but she's not the best player <laughs> yeah. like, the, like the best player is somebody I, like the best player doesn't even play for America what is wrong with you people yeah. and you're going yeah but like we all know Megan Rapinoe yeah. like, well, you know get over it but that all adds to it <laughs> it totally it. does doesn't it <laughs> uh, people got so angry about the whole yeah. thing like I was reading a lot of the stuff and she's not even the best player in America yeah. and you know all that kind of thing but and I can get that too yeah. that people were mm-hmm. a bit kind of annoyed mm. that oh you know you're choosing her because she's the best known and she's mm. around Twitter mm. around with Donald Trump <laughs> yeah. and, you know we should be picking the best player I get that too but at the same time she's a superstar yeah. you know and and every every sport needs one yeah. to kind of push it on and like she I mean she's just so famous now like, but you're right know. about the impact of the tournament itself yeah. I was on holiday uh, in uh, Killaloo at the in the semi-final stage I think was it did they play England in the semi-final yeah. Is that yeah, right? yeah. yeah and so it was on like a Tuesday night and I was in this this little sleepy village in County Clare on a summer's Tuesday evening and I said I might go up to the, go up the street here to watch watch the match uh, and uh, I went into this this hurling pub <laughs> in Killaloo and uh, they had it on and uh, I was there for sort of 10 minutes before the start of it and I was the only person in the pub and I was kind of go, kind of half rolling my eyes, going, "Jesus, lads, come on! Like, what else is he doing on a Tuesday yeah. night? Is he not coming and what?" And by the time kickoff came around, but no, sorry, by the time about ten minutes into the into the, after kickoff, like I'd say there was another a dozen lads come in through the mm. door and kind of gone, "Oh, good, you have the match on." I came yes. in and sat down to watch it, yeah. and like you're just going, <clears throat> "This." I, okay, it's a World Cup semi-final. That you know, and it's America and England. So you know, it mm. should like it shouldn't be that surprising. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of um, I was kind of heartened mm. by the fact that that everybody like there was just guy after guy coming in going, oh good, you have the match. Yeah, I loved for that one spell. It, it was the football. It mm. was the football. Women's football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the football, and that's and what so, it needs yeah. to be like. Mm. Yeah. Mary Pertford was though wrapping all kind of squaring off with Donald Trump yeah. that was what really yeah. uh, brought everything over the topic remind people what happened there yeah, like she's been you know a very kind of outspoken um, voice on lots and lots of issues over over the years and her politics would certainly be the opposite end of the thing from Trump but she was asked at one point would she go to the, this? It was before the World Cup. Mm. Would she go to the White House mm-hmm. if, because that would be a traditional thing if America won the World Cup? And uh, I think she quite bluntly said no. You can say it, Mary. Yeah. Yeah. The F word. Yeah. <laughs> it's you, you before the watershed. You wouldn't say it in public. I know you're too good a person. <laughs> you are. That's not you. <laughs> I, I would never use vulgar language. But um, so yeah, she was fairly emphatic then in, in in saying no, she wouldn't go to the White House. So. So, of course, himself responds to this. Yeah, and he swings at every pitch. Uh, the gist of it was kind of like, shut up and go and win, you know, the thing before you 
shoot your mouth off, kind mm. of. So, which, so she did. So she, <laughs> what do you do? You go and you win it then. Like you go and win the World Cup. So that kind of that gesture she made after she scored in the final, we read it as being mm. there. You go. Yeah. What do Job you done. Yeah. Kind of. So yeah. So it was a good old spat, but um, no better woman to kind of mm. fire back. Like um, <laughs> there were so that. many brilliant moments. I'm just thinking like Alex Morgan and the tea celebration oh, as right. well. Do you remember that? No. Very upset. It was was basically taken as. yeah, as kind of fuck you to England. You know, when she scored scored her goal, she just mimicked drinking tea off saucer. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It, it was that proud. was a great game. Was, that semi final. It was it cracking game. The goals were amazing. Quite yeah. literally yeah. had everything. Yeah. And the bar, of course. Oh, um, I looked, I was watching the last leg the mm. other day and they were reading out their nominations for Dick of the Year mm. and I saw poor Alvar is in there with Jacob <laughs> rees and Prince Andrew. So that, that's what a bad year Alvar is at. It's not great. No, but, not um, so yeah, we had saved penalties, we had red car, mm. red car at the works. It was, it was terrific, absolutely mm. terrific. And there's no doubt England's run in it, you know, Made certainly. Made it a bit as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was, it got a huge reaction in England because of that. But uh, yeah, and it goes back again to get it on television. Yeah. You know, if it, again, if there was no television coverage, Nobody, you know, yeah. just there would have been nothing like yeah. in a way. So mm-hmm. applies to everything. Yeah. Malachi, we're on to your number two of the year. Rachel Blackmore. Yes. Rachel Blackmore. God, I'd say Rachel Blackmore hates me. <laughs> uh, I think she would uh, gladly live out a completely anonymous life if it wasn't for the Irish Times continually trying to tell everybody <laughs> about how great she is. Um, she uh, She's had an astonishing year. So uh, before Rachel Blackmore, the most winners uh, by an Irish female jockey in a national hunt season was 39. And that was Nina Carberry. Uh, Rachel Blackmore rode 90 winners last year. Jesus. It's extraordinary. Uh, it's w- whatever it is now. What date are we? December 16th. She had a winner yesterday. So I think she's up to 44 for this season. So she's already passed what Nina did. And Nina was a legend of the sport. Mm. A complete legend of the sport. And Nina won most of those ra- Most of her races were bumpers, were flat races. Mm. Nina didn't really do, like she did certainly do some over jumps, but like the bulk of her winners were, were bumpers. But you shouldn't be comparing Rachel to no, other no, women. No, 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 no. That's, you know, no. Allow, me, allow me to get my flow there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You tell him, Pat. <laughs> uh, those, 90 winners, those 90 winners, those 90 winners got her second place in uh, in the jockeys championship uh, against the men she is competing against the men she uh, those 90 winners in the last decade there was only four other jockeys rode 90 winners in a season Ruby Walsh did it four times Davy Russell did it three times Brian Cooper and Paul Townend have both done it uh, once a piece I think Townend has done it twice uh, like all these other jockeys uh, have never had the success that she has had. And she is this brilliant writer. She's a complete mould breaker. Um, though before her, you had to go back to the 80s for the last time. There was a, a, a female professional jockey in Ireland. Nina and Katie Walsh were uh, were amateurs. Um, so she is riding as a professional, riding against the men. She is, and now she's backing it up this year. She is up to, I think she's joined third in the jockey's table at the minute. Hopefully she'll have a good Christmas. 
she it will take an injury I would say to Paul Townend for her to actually win it uh, but if she wanted it it'd be amazing but she is she, she is extraordinary she's just do, doing something that has never been done before at this level by, by a female jockey and uh, she's fantastic and she hates publicity. She she really I remember does. the interview you did with her. I never read such a reluctant interviewing. You like, leave me alone! Don't be talking about me. The first Just time I inter- win first races. time I interviewed her, she said she said to me, "Oh, this won't be a big thing in the paper, will it?" No. And I said, "What do you what do you think do I'm you doing expect? here? <laughs> Why did you say yes?" <laughs> I was a point I was talking to Kleena Foley about her recently and like Kleena said that she didn't come from a kind of a horsey this is family the thing. Yeah. you know there were no connections no. there no, no, to she's give a country, her a chance she's like from, a country girl from I think it's Killinall she's from Killinall. and uh, you know it, like she was a, you know she did a bit of pony riding and all that but like right. she, it wasn't like she's a great scion of the of the Mullinses or Walshes exactly. or Brines exactly. or Carberries yeah. or anything like that you know she's completely and I would completely self-made in, you know in, in that sport the biggest challenge is to get a chance that's the yeah. thing and you know she, because it's the horses that do the way you know right. it's, the, it's the horses that do the, the the running and it's up to the and it is getting a chance and showing showing that you aren't going to ruin a good yeah, horse and right. that, that, yeah. that, that's the thing and uh, yeah no she's fantastic brilliant year yeah. also I think one of my favourite moments of the entire year was backing Manila, oh, yeah. Manila into on, on a whim <laughs> and being in a pub in Kildare yeah. sc- standing up screaming at this 50 to 1 horse and the essentially the longest shot the longest priced winner at the Cheltenham Festival yeah yeah, and in a deathly silent yeah. pub standing up screaming go on Rachel go on Rachel and three people we, there was three of us at yeah. that table there was you me and a friend of ours and the three of us were roaring the horse home uh, except that well sorry two of you were roaring the horse home because you had both backed it at 50 to 1 mm. and I was just roaring the jockey home having backed it at three other horses <laughs> in the race <laughs> the amount of dirty looks we got in that pub it was awful yeah. because clearly nobody was, else had backed the pub the horse the was so Silent, yeah. Apart from the three of us, <laughs> so you were chucked out then, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, we're I, I weren't robbed. I'd say. I think they were just yeah. going, "Ah, oh, lads, he's buying a drink here." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll move on to uh, to the next part of the list, which um, has featured high in everybody's list. It's uh, four for Mary and uh, five for Malachi and one for Emma. So Emma, we'll start with you, <laughs> yeah, Katie Taylor and her her year and a half. Yeah. Absolutely, Katie's just phenomenal. Like, but I suppose I spent a lot of time deliberating over the order, and then now I'm thinking, well, like, this is just Katie Taylor. Like, you know, mm. sh- should I put her one? That kind I know, of thing. Yeah. Like, it's just expected. Mm. But like, obviously, this year, two weight world champion, undisputed lightweight champion of the world, like, uncharted territory. Mm. Like, she is phenomenal and. I suppose we see just the knock-on effect that Katie, like the legacy Katie is leaving in women's boxing. Irish women's boxing is incredible. Irish okay. sport. Irish sport, I absolutely. Remember, I remember uh, it must have been the Camogie final because I wasn't at the football final. So the Camogie final, because uh, there were six teams involved and they had little uh, Q&As with a player from each team and you know, you know, most difficult opponent, mm-hmm, others, you know, the mm-hmm. what last movies, all that sort of stuff. And uh, one of them was Sporting Hero. And in the Camogie program, three of the six had Katie Taylor as 
their mm. sporting hero. Out of the, everyone in the world. Oh, like. the other the other three all had like camogie players, or, yeah. or you know, or you know, parlors or elder statesmen, states women in their team or whatever. But uh, I thought that was really striking. Big time. That, that for young female sports people mm-hmm. she is she is absolutely this, you know? and like we saw her appearance on the late late toy show yeah. and <laughs> how amazing that was that bit was of a shameless plug now she can colour in book oh please do <laughs> yeah. uh, I have no shame it kind of <laughs> it started obviously with Ella the young girl from Mead the boxer um, showing off the colour in book and you could you could feel it coming I didn't have a clue it was going to happen mm. but you could just feel it coming you're like yeah, Katie's going to come out or Kelly's going to come out mm. um, but out appeared the bell Katie Taylor and it was just magical was like, and Ella's cool- going to be <laughs> well, right the, up there the coolest part of that was that um they started, uh, Katie kind of held up the gloves to her and this the, the wee girl, I can't remember what age she was. Um, like, was she like 10 or 11 or something like that? She was some fighter. <laughs> she was fierce. <laughs> but you could see that instantly the rest of the room didn't exist. Yeah. She good. just turned and started sparring yeah. and started punching like do yeah, do And yeah. it was, okay, the world outside is not there. Yeah. I am with my hero here. Mm-hmm. I remember um, Des Cal telling us one time at the Sportsman of the Year do, um, he said like before it starts, he gets all the monthly winners together because mm. he just kind of wants them to mm-hmm. say hello to each other and have a chat. And um, I, he described it one time like they all were in this room and there were kind of people going up to him saying, I'd love, I'd love to meet Katie. You know, yeah. there, there were people mm. like, there, you know, there were Olympic medalists and, you know, All-Ireland winners and all the rest, mm. just in awe of her. Yeah. And she, she's just the most humble person on earth. Absolutely. Like, But they were kind, so he was taking them up to introduce them to her and that's the kind of like, yes. so I, I get the thing, mm. like sporting heroes, that she's the number one. Like mm. there's so many Kind of sports women now, like no, yeah. like even I was at a press conference this year with her, and I was like, Jesus, is this actually happening? Like, <laughs> and you want to get over that? Eh? Yeah, I know. Big she, time. You want her to I think just, that about you? I was so close to asking her for a picture, you know. <laughs> um, I, well, the, oh, the one thing that we should say, um, apart from you know, obviously her her, her effect on on everybody else, um, Johnny Watterson was telling me there a couple of weeks ago um, I was saying how much how much money is she making you know and he says uh, I think she makes about half a million a fight that to me is almost her greatest achievement yeah, yeah. you think when Katie Taylor started boxing the idea that there would ever be a female boxer who could make That's half a million quid mm-hmm. a fight yeah. like you know, look around the Irish, the men, male Irish boxers. How many of them are making half a million a fight? Absolutely. You know, it is. To, she as as a mold breaker, and we've talked about her her mold breaking so many times mm. in the past. Like that is just another boundary that is getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And yes, that's because Sky have sold her. Mm. And yes, that's because. Uh, you know, planets have aligned and uh, uh, Eddie Hearn has taken her under his wing. And yes, all of that. But he wasn't doing it for anybody else. Mm. 
And it is it is an amazing achievement mm. to be able to have made like she's more or less set for life. Uh, and she has yeah. done it in an in an, an industry that just didn't exist mm. when she started boxing, Absolutely. which is, you know, whatever people can say about mm. the the depth of the pool that she is beating and the, mm. the you know, the level of the opponent and all that sort of stuff mm. to make a career, to make a professional mm. boxing career uh, out of something that just did not exist is extraordinary. Oh, I think she's just phenomenal as well. Like just watching her in the ring, she's absolutely ruthless, so fierce, obviously. But then just her character away from fighting, mm. the contrary. You know, she's the most unlikely person <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, you yeah, would yeah. see, like you know, covered yeah. in blood after a fight. Um, just loves the quiet life. Obviously, you know, we spoke about the documentary and the lonely life she could yeah. lead stateside. Mm. But like, how important her faith is to her mm. and. You know, just the little things in life, I think it says a lot about her. Mm. I don't think there's much to add to that. Actually, I will throw in one other thing that Johnny Waterson <coughs> pointed out to me recently. She's only the third Irish boxer of all time to hold world titles in two, two different weights, right, yes. along with Steve Collins and Carl Frampton, which is amazing. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. just, uh, it's a legacy that she's creating for herself. Mm. So we'll go further down the list. Um, this uh, was number three for Emma but one for Mary and Malachi. I'm surprised it's number one for Malachi. Do you want, Malachi, do you want to get your, your negative digs at uh, hockey out of the way before we go on to the glory that was that, that, that uh, evening? The hilarious part of them, uh, the, the women's hockey team qualifying for, for the Olympics, uh, is that it shows the power of an Irish team doing well that you could get the whole country sitting down watching two of the worst <laughs> games of any sport I have ever seen. Not the worst, two of the worst hockey matches, but my God, they were dull matches. And only for the fact that a level of jeopardy hung over them yeah. that you would have turned it off. Like the ladies' football final was a thriller. It was an absolute <laughs> thriller compared to this. <laughs> But this was way worse than the <laughs> Like, now, fair enough, the Saturday night was just, the weather was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but the Sunday night and the penalty shootout was just, it was, like, the, the games were terrible. But it was so, it, it, like, you talked earlier, Emma, about um, Kira McGee and capturing the hearts. Like, oh, this team. <laughs> And it's funny, I was having a, a, a text conversation with uh, Sinead O'Carroll the day after it and she's obviously big, she, I think she was there for most of the weekend. And um, we were talking about the difference between a team and a, and a solo person. You know, like people can love, they could love Sonia, they, could, they can love Kira McGee and all of that. But a team, mm -hmm. because you see a team interacting with each other. Mm. You see how they, how united they are. You see the, you see even the, the the gleaming smiles on their faces as they come out. You see them falling around the place with each other afterwards. And like you watch that and you go, now that, mm. that's something that you want to uh, apply yourself to or attach mm. yourself to. I was talking to Roisin Upton last mm. week and, and I'm kind of still laughing like she, just to kind of recap, she Damn. broke a bone in her arm. She still doesn't know when in the mm. match. She's she watched not it back. Important. and It's not important, exactly. <laughs> oh, um, she only kind of copped, really, there was a problem. She was called out for the 
protesting afterwards and she couldn't open the jar with her hand. <laughs> so she realised then there might be a problem. But so This was after she scored in the penalty shootout. Yes. <laughs> so she had taken um, a penalty in the kind of regular shootout mm. and ran out of time. So missed. And then when it came to sudden death, the coach, Sean Dancer, said to her, you go first. So, like, to me, the courage of stepping up at all, mm. but to step up after you've missed mm. with a broken bone mm. in your arm as well. So I kind of said this to her and she said, but, but anyone would do it. You know, if if you score, you're going to get to the Olympics. Anyone would take that Look on. That. And I'm like, no, they wouldn't. No, I mean, but who like, would want that there pressure? Teams, there, there are teams paying fortunes to sports psychologists <laughs> that's it. to get themselves that's into it. that mindset yeah, yeah, that anyone would do it. Of yeah. course I want it. Of course I want it. Yeah. And she studied psychology in America. So I, I said, like, are you your own psychologist in a moment like that? And she's like, yeah, pretty much. But, but she kind of... She genuinely didn't see what the fuss was. It was yeah. like, if you were you given this opportunity, why not? Why wouldn't you kind of want to do it? To me, I like I would just melt at the, even thinking about taking oh, on that, that kind watching of pressure. It, I felt so sick at home. I was like, how is anyone number one watching it <laughs> in the stadium? And how the hell are those girls going and actually yeah, doing it? Like, yeah. unbelievable stuff. And like, I think it it even puts it more into perspective when you take in the whole journey that this team have been mm. on. Mm. And like, self-admittedly, I jumped on that bandwagon in London. <laughs> not going to lie. So. Like, 99% of the country, maybe. Mm. Um, but like, just looking back on this story, it's mm. Land Like Mary, obviously, you've you've been there for years through the highs and the lows and kind of only bearing the fruits now. <laughs> but, <laughs> Jesus, that... And Roshin actually <laughs> made that point. I thought it was kind of interesting. She said she, you know, was looking around the crowd like the, the two mm. nights, and there were loads of kids, like you know, mm. lots of the really absolutely small. huge crowd as well. Yeah, that's over six thousand each night. Yeah, but she said she noticed how many kids were there, like really young kids. And then she also saw loads of former players, mm. and she was kind of saying about the the different different angles that those two groups would have. These little kids are like, yeah, Irish hockey team, you know, gets yeah, to World Cup I finals know, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Standard, like, yeah. what you do. Yeah. Whereas all these former players were just like under the seats, like in terror, <laughs> like because they'd, you know, been denied like before. so many times before. It had never happened. So whereas yeah, the little girls were kind of and little boys. Like, I think it was my my big fa- deal? one of my favourite days on this podcast was the Monday after when we we dragged you in here, <laughs> and, and like I've had you in here for for under duress essentially for almost every one of your uh, your appearances, and you're you know you're a difficult woman to impress at times. <laughs> Mary Hannigan was gurgling on this podcast <laughs> that Monday morning. It was just yep, whatever you need, man. Like, well, yeah, we can sit here all day. I don't care. As we talked about, I think it was my favourite moment of the year. As yeah. we talked about that day, seeing the ticket tags outside. That's right. This is just nuts. So yeah, as, as we, we described it, I was skulking around, kind of in a doorway as you walk down to the entrance. So and uh, only selling tickets, he yeah. wasn't buying them. So that that was definitely a first, I think, for for Irish hockey. Definitely, and I think like shootouts are my favourite thing yeah. ever. Like <laughs> just Aisha McFerrin. Oh, yeah. what an absolute hero of yeah. a woman and then I suppose just the nerves of steel shown mm. by mm. the girls who were taking them 
the Chloe Watkins wink. Like, like the memories are endless. Yeah, they are, they are. <laughs> so I think a ticket tout at an Irish hockey match is the perfect way to round off the year in women's sports. Like, what, what shows progress yeah. in our world greater <laughs> than a grifter trying to make a cheap buck at a hockey match? In Dybrook. <laughs> the peak moment of the year. Dybrook, definitely. Have, everything has arrived. Yeah. Uh, that will do us. Uh, that, so, yes, the Sportswoman of the Year Awards uh, are on Friday. Uh, we'll be doing full coverage through the week, uh, ahead of and afterwards in, in Saturday's paper. But that is going to do us here. Thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Maliki. Thoroughly enjoyed it. very much, Mary. Thanks, Maliki. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Pat. For this and for all the year that has passed before us ahead of us a glorious year that it was a glorious year that it was I think the podcast you know I think at some stage over the next year somebody there would be a tout outside <laughs> selling, <laughs> selling buying or selling tickets to the out of time podcast that, I think that shows how far we are coming here well that should, is what we should aim for anyway yeah. Yeah. I will be selling uh, <laughs> any opportunity to get out of it uh, thank you very much to Declan behind the desk Suzanne alongside him long suffering both and we will be done now until I hopefully the 13th of January and if we're not back then then the whole thing has been disbanded and sure <laughs> what harm <laughs> uh, thank you very much all the listeners and we will see you next year be good